Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. Uh, this conversation specifically has been a long time coming. Uh, the guy that I'm staring at in the face right now, which are my favorite episodes to do, is when I get to go face-to-face with somebody. Uh, Colin Meaves, he is a coach, uh, one of the head coaches at Resolution CrossFit. Uh, there's a lot more mystery behind that we're going to talk about today, but uh, Colin and I have uh, known each other for probably four or five years, uh, have become close friends. I had an amazing opportunity to uh, share in him getting married here just two months ago. And so I'm fired up, dude. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Like yeah. you said, it's been a long time coming. And we're <laughs> finally sitting here doing it. It, um, it It's interesting, right? Because uh, as, I mean, we were talking offline before, like I've been thinking for, I don't know, six months at least we've been having this conversation around like, what the hell are we going to talk about? Because right. we could talk about CrossFit and fitness. We can talk about headspace. We can talk about... Um, I don't know. I just think there's so many things out there. So first off, I, I like to ask people this, um, cause there's like really formalized bios that people come up with. Right. So like you meet somebody for the first time and they're like, so what do you do? So what do you say to people? Yeah. You know, that's something I'm still working on to be <laughs> honest. Like that, I don't think there's one concrete answer that I've come up with and it changes every time is, um, you know, I, I, I work at a CrossFit gym and I, I, uh, Obviously, like you kind of mentioned, in the head coach there now, something I've worked up to. And uh, really, I help people get more fit and find them true find their true selves and really what they're capable of doing. So um, when it comes down to it, I, I look at it as a, a job and a sense of influencing people to make better decisions and better life decisions for that matter. And just having a positive impact on people is kind of how I personally view what I do. And some can sum that as a, up as a, being a coach and some look at it as being a leader and I look at it as both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's, let's retrace a little bit of the CrossFit steps for right now, mm-hmm. because that will help people. Because I don't think that there was ever a time in your life before you stepped into CrossFit that you thought to yourself, like one day I want to grow up and be a CrossFit coach. Right. And so where did that path begin for you? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I, I actually have told people this recently as even dating back to high school, like freshman year, you take a uh, careers class and they have you take the ASVAP and find kind of where your your interests lie. And it always kind of pointed me in a direction of doing some sort of sports, whether it's sports marketing or something along those lines. And uh, even going into school, I knew I wanted to major in kinesiology and have some sort of uh, career path of an athletic trainer, physical therapist, something along those lines. Like that's what always sparked me. Not sitting at a desk was my main thing that I was really hoping for. But where that leads me to is getting into junior college is I started going to uh, taking just general ed classes and getting your normal psychology, your math, your English, all that stuff out of the way. And like none of that stuff really tickled my fancy per se. And it wasn't something I was super interested in. And um, my second year of junior college, I was in the process of getting back into playing baseball. And our coach there had introduced us into some CrossFit-esque workouts, if you want to call it that, um, in our off-season, and things shaped out where uh, I started having arm problems. I ended up redshirting that year, and I decided to kind of take it upon me to uh, join a CrossFit gym, and it so happened on a Sunday night, I was going to LA Fitness, and 
right across from where I was looking, ended up being a CrossFit gym and <laughs> went and checked it out the next day. And I ended up there and really how that all took shape is I started doing CrossFit as a means to get in better shape, to get back to playing baseball. And it just so happened to uh, be at the time that I was in the process of finishing my last year in junior college and transferring into Cal State Fullerton. And still I knew I wanted to do kinesiology, but I, within kinesiology itself, there was six different subdisciplines that you can choose. And I, really didn't have a clue of what I wanted to do when I was, you know, enrolling and doing all the paperwork to get in school. And then CrossFit was one of those things that like, it really just got me fired up. And like, I was super intrigued by it. And that's where I kind of made the decision to make my emphasis or concentration area in strength and conditioning. And Cal State Fullerton happened to be one of the best schools to do that at. So I was put into a good environment. And, you know, at the same time, uh, I was asked by Matt and Vanessa, the owners of Resolution CrossFit, to come on board and coach. So I started coaching. How long was that after you started at Resolution? When did you start at Resolution? I started at Resolution in March of 2011. Okay. And I was a member for about a year before they approached uh, myself about coaching there. Okay. So it was like April 2012. And then I started coaching in July of 2012, which that's what coincided with beginning school in August of 2012 at Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Okay. So, um, you, first of all, I want people to hear that C CrossFit is not the only sport that can cause injury, right? <laughs> baseball, <That's true>. does. <laughs> baseball and a lot of other things Life, growing up tripping yes. down the stairs. Exactly. Um, okay. So you, you, you are passionate about fitness. Obviously I know you played baseball in high school and did well, went on to junior college. You had some aspiration potentially of, of mm -hmm. going on, uh, that didn't work out. You begin crossfitting for fun. It kind of turns, no, it does turn into sport, right? Because yep. you were competitive. You mm -hmm. went to, uh, which, what no longer exists, That's but right. was uh, regionals, which would have been the qualifying round of the CrossFit games for people that don't know that and aren't yep. listening. So what year was that? That was in, tw so 2012, we qualified a team and had a couple individuals and I went as a team in 2012. Okay. Um, and 2013 was when I went individually, which was kind of like my goal during that whole time. And, yeah. Um, still to this date, one of the greatest athletic experiences I had, but that was in uh, the spring of 2013. Yeah. Okay. So, and we're going to get back to some of that path yep. in, in just a minute. Um, so you are pursuing this passion to, uh, work out, get fit to compete, uh, aspirations of going to the games, mm -hmm. uh, and, and yet you're also coaching. So at that point was coaching more of like, a job doing something that you loved for sport or was, was there some draw to like, okay, I could see myself doing this for a long period of time. Uh, a little bit of both, to be honest. So even before that, I started coaching baseball out of high school. So I did like the only job I've ever held in a capacity is coaching. And I coached high school baseball for three years before working at the CrossFit gym and coaching there. But I think once I started coaching CrossFit, there kind of became this uh, blur between the lines of, coaching because I wanted to coach there was definitely that aspect of it but I think at that time I was more interested in the competitive realm and I think if I were to be entirely honest I devoted more of my time and energy towards the competitive realm sure but there's definitely like I would call it a 60 40 split where there's still this part of me that was super passionate about coaching and helping other people and and you know influencing them in a way to make them better so you know, I guess to answer your question, I think it was a good mixture of both, but I, I definitely had more of a draw towards coaching 
in um, as a secondary thing to competing when it came down okay. to it. <clears throat> okay, so um, my memory of this time is a little bit fuzzy because I don't know you super duper. I didn't know you super well at that mm-hmm. time, but I do remember there was this period of your life where you were highly competitive, right? Um, somewhat cocky in the gym at times it felt like <laughs> can't, can't deny it, I, yeah. I guess when you, i guess when you're good and you're young it's it's hard to not do that right um so you are um uh, you're 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 competitive um you're still pretty young at that time and then you had an out of gym um uh, experience i think if i remember correctly you were at a party and got into a fight, right? And that really started to like change a little bit of your path on a lot of things. Yeah. Right? And, and what ended up happening is I <laughs> responded in a way I shouldn't have responded to somebody. And okay. They, uh, they punched me in the head is what happened. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, when it came down to that, that was like one of those moments where yeah, it was a learning experience yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've had my ass kicked plenty of times. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had my bottom teeth put through my bottom lip, right. you know, uh, some pretty significant things. I, I, I think what's interesting about that is so that's when I started to um, uh, be a little bit more perceptive, I think, of you as an individual, because uh, what I saw from the outside and I would love to hear hear your side of this, like mm-hmm. what I saw from the outside was there was now this tension right between like you have been on this path to want to be really competitive. This kind of is in some sense, like maybe just a personal wake up call around, right. you know, like maybe how you carry yourself, whatever, mm-hmm. at different times. Also, it did some things physically in the sense that like it, it, it took you a bit to kind of like get back into what you, you know, what, what wanted, or, you know, you wanted a groove, you know, your mm-hmm. groove back. Yeah. Um, and so what was going through your head during that time? Like, how did you process through like, shit, I like, this was pretty gnarly. I'm dealing with some, some like physical issues as a result right. of that. I still want to be competitive. I, I, I want to get back to where I was. I actually want to get better because I, I want to qualify for the games. Right. And so that w- that had to be a really challenging season of life for you. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's very interesting that you bring it up because, you know, maybe until this point I didn't really see it as such, but it was definitely one of those points in time where, you know, you have something taken away from you, um, not by choice per se, yeah. is that, you know, what, what ended up happening, I got a concussion, and yeah. because of that concussion, um, I had very large depth perception issues where anytime my heart rate got up, all the walls started to seem a lot further away from me. Like, it was just a very, like weird experience that you can't really do it justice unless you go through it and like yeah yeah, i couldn't work out for two months you know and that's something that i'm at the time going to school to learn all about i'm uh coaching every day and and at this point in time i'm not even able to work out myself and it's just like what is considered an outlet at that point for myself and and something that i treated almost like a job such as working out was you know it began to put in perspective like this thing called balance in life and you know how that isn't everything you know and it really started to to show me that there's other things that i can do to um if you want to call provide satisfaction and you know um meaning to life it kind of drew me to this area of understanding that you know i'm putting a lot of expectation on something that really doesn't need that high of an expectation you know and but having that taken away definitely puts you in a position to uh reprioritize your life in a sense and i think that one experience alone didn't 
reprioritize it for moving forward and like permanently. Yeah. But it definitely starts to shape who I am today for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, again, there, I, I was, per, I was watching so many things happen during that time. I'm just a very perceptive person. Yeah. I, I was very intrigued by you as an individual. You worked really hard. You were just crushing it in the gym. Um, and, and so watching somebody step through these challenges mm-hmm. is, 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 is so fascinating because I mean, even during that time, and again, like these are things that like I've, I've seen myself go through so many different times. Whereas I remember watching you, you know, once you were kind of coming back around and, you know, pushing your body really hard again, maybe it was in the open or something like that and being so frustrated externally um, because you couldn't do certain things that maybe you wanted to do before Mm -hmm. or you just weren't back to the level or maybe just you had an even greater expectation. And there's going to be people like – the, the common folk listener out there, uh, uh, you know, there there are things for them to take away. But what I'm really hopeful for as we're recording today and as people listen is for a lot of people that know you, like you are, for the most part, a very well-tempered, pretty methodical person. You keep it all quiet and together. Like you don't log your workouts in Wattify so everybody else sees. You kind of just keep it to yourself. You're like super even keel and chill. I actually heard the other day that you like absolutely destroyed your Diane PR and that you ran out the door cheering. That's probably the first time that's happened in a long time. <laughs> somewhat, somewhat like that. Yeah. I guess when you're that good, it's because you don't PR that much anymore. But like, <laughs> I, I think most people perceive you as like you're you're just very quiet, like yeah. almost like what the hell's like? Why doesn't this guy like express himself more regularly? Yeah. And so, people would have no idea that there was this point in time. I see it as a huge level of maturity and growth at like as an individual, as a man, as a coach, like so many things. And yet, like, I think it's, it, it's, it was so interesting to watch a lot of this happen. Not to say that you weren't a great guy and mature, you know, then, but just, it was just so different. Right. And it's yeah. crazy to see how things like, like events like that shape who we are and who we become. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's kind of interesting because like, uh, having an outsider's perspective, like yourself kind of see it that way. It's like, I, you know, I'm always hard on myself. I'm always very um, critical of myself of like, just like you said, I want to be mature. I want to be, you know, a good example for people. And I wasn't always that good example, even though I was trying to be, and it's like, it's taken years to get to where I'm at. And it's just these series of events that really bring to light something. And you just, you have to constantly learn from it. And I think it's, it's funny because yeah, a lot of people, I am very, um, quiet. I'm very shy. And like, a lot of people that when I coach, they don't believe that. And it's yeah. like, it, it's not that I have to put, a, put on a persona when I coach, but it's like, it's a passion of mine, yeah. you know, but really I'm a very shy person and I haven't learned to express myself in the ways that I can express myself. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's one of those things that, like you said, you know, all these things have led me from one thing to another to yeah. learn how it is that I can appropriately express myself and, you know, basically, uh, like show people who I really am. And I'm yeah. still trying to figure out who I am too, you know, yeah. and yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about you and me both. <laughs> personal development, but that's the thing is like, you're never going to truly figure out who you are because there's a level of being content at that point, yep. you know? And like, there's this constant want to be better from me. So when I know, when I feel like I know who I am, 
I'm, I know I'm getting to a point where I'm getting too comfortable and I need yeah. to like put myself in a, another position to be uncomfortable again and start learning more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think that again, you know, we, we've had this conversation so many times, but like, you know, one of the dangers of, uh, of achieving a level of perform like success or, um, we perform at a level, we, we accomplish something is we begin to set expectations like that for ourselves in everything. Right. And yep. at all times. And so, um, CrossFit, maybe baseball for a period of time, but just, you know, anywhere in life, like it, it almost begins to like not be fun anymore. Right. Like yeah. we're, we're fighting so hard to try and achieve. And we forget that like, there's actually joy in being able to do what we do. Right. You know? Yeah. I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head is, is, you know, it's kind of funny that you bring up the idea of expectations is like really even before the concussion happened to me, like, I think I look back on this time as like not a bad period of my life, but it was a, it was a tough period of my life for about a year. you know, when I qualified for regionals is like, after I left that weekend, there was this expectation for myself to go back to regionals the next year. Like sure. it was an automatic thing, but that was my biggest fault is thinking that was an automatic thing. You know, like I earned it once and I automatically earned it again, but oddly enough, you know, I'm coaching at the time. I'm already expecting that I'm going back to regionals. And at the time I was still coaching baseball on the side a little bit. And at the same time, I also got a girlfriend and along with that, I was in school and I had a really good semester in school, the semester that I qualified for regionals and had a 3.8 GPA. And so wow. the only place to go up from there was to try to get a 4.0. Yeah. So where I'm leading to with this is that I now set an expectation to get back to regionals. I now set an expectation to get a 4.0 my next semester. Um, I have a girlfriend. There's an expectation for me to, you know, hang out with her and, and enjoy time with her. And you start blending all this stuff together. And when you're young and naive, like I was at 22 years old, going on 23, <laughs> you don't realize that that's a lot of weight to carry. Heck yeah. and, and what I'm getting to with this is that once that fall semester started and I was two months in, like I was already in over my head mm. and I was at what, basically started for me was a state of depression is like I was not satisfied with any workout because it was not at the caliber of the other regionals and games level athletes that I automatically thought that I should be competing against every day and the fault there is competing every day you know it's like there's an extent that you can do that too yeah but I started doing that in everything and that's just my nature I'm a competitive person and when it came down to it it's like okay if I'm gonna get a 4.0 I have to work more and I have to work harder than I did in the previous semester to make that happen. And then it just got to this point where I couldn't handle everything anymore. And it's like, mm. there comes this like onslaught of thinking in your head of like, okay, like if I'm gonna do this, something needs to go, you know? And, yeah. and for me, like, you don't, I, I didn't know at the time that I was depressed and yeah. I didn't know at the time I had this constant anxiety for everything. And it's like the first thing that I wanted to go was the girlfriend. Yeah. And, lo and behold, you know, we'll, we'll get to what happens with that as we go through <laughs> this. I'm sure it's like, but that, that was like the one thing that I thought should go and I didn't want to go, you know, my head was telling me that I love this person. And even though we hadn't said those words to each other yet, it was like, that's the feeling I had. Like mm -hmm. I knew what this person was to me, but at the time I didn't prioritize my life in a way that made that a priority. And yeah. so, you know, to get to your point of like what I was saying, is just these expectations that I 
had put on myself and always put on myself. Like I didn't know how to manage those expectations at the time. Yep. And it just got to a point where like, dude, it was a rough year, man. Like from that point moving forward, like I was not myself. Like I, there was many of Saturdays and I remember specifically Saturdays, but just days in general, like I didn't eat for nine hours out of the day, you know, like I just wanted to sleep all day yep. and I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to interact with people. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. And that's stuff that for me for the longest time, I didn't know was depression. I didn't know what any of that stuff was. And you know, it, it's one of those things that I ended up learning that that's what I was experiencing. Yep. And it was such, if there was anything that I think was the greatest learning experience for me was that period of time. I didn't recognize it at that point in time because it was so hard and I could not figure out how to manage life. And it, it was just one of those things that like, I know we went off on a tangent, but no. like the, it's just that, that I think if there's one, one of the defining moments throughout those years is that time. Yeah. And it made me learn so much about myself, um, forcefully, like yeah. in order for me to truly be happy, I had to figure myself out. And I think what I'm getting to at the point is, is that the weight of working out and making that feel like a job was something that I needed to reprioritize yeah. and I needed to devalue that a little bit and start valuing things other more uh, other things more in my life yep. to bring light to those things and really what you know we're on this constant pursuit of balance of life like yeah. that that's that was one of the first things that really made me have to figure myself out and I at the time hated myself for many of months and a lot of people wouldn't have even known that and that's something that I learned how to bottle up on the inside yeah and you know it really just was a defining point in my life that i did a lot of things that i wasn't necessarily proud of but i felt was the right thing at the time yeah. that's all i could have done yep. but it ended up being like i said just a, a really really great learning experience now that i'm on this side of it totally i look back on it and kind of smile in a sense because i i it couldn't have turned out any different yeah you know? yeah i mean you know whether it's your experience specifically in a job, even in pursuing relationships, you know, we get into these places where we set these crazy expectations that nobody can live up to, at least not, right. you know, in a sustained environment or in a sustained way. And um, I may have told you, and, and people have heard me say this before. I mean, I worked with a young girl that at 30 years old, she committed suicide because she had been a 4.0 student and captain of the cheerleading team in high school, a 4.0 student, a captain of the cheerleading team in college. She had her master's degree and went flying colors through all of that. Like one day this woman could have become president of the United States, but her, her expectations for herself became so overwhelming that she went into this bout of anxiety and depression and started trying to take, and, and sometimes they can be good, but was taking all different types of medication and seeing different types of doctors mm -hmm. and couldn't quote unquote fix the problem because she couldn't, at the end of the day, she couldn't change her expectations and was never going to achieve them. Right. And she put a gun to her head and killed herself. I mean, that's, that's, it's life, you know yeah. I mean? It's not to put any light on it, but like it happens so often, but it's, yeah, it, it's so, it's, it's one of those things that you create these expectations for yourself. And what ends up happening is like, you judge yourself on those expectations, but you feel like everybody's judging you yep. as well. And yep. I think that's a controllable, but an uncontrollable thing at the same time is like, that's what 
a lot of the damage is done is you feel like people are judging you based on your own standards that you set and nobody's yep. even holding you to no. those. You know? And as a matter of fact, probably what I've found is, is the more that I share my failure, it's really easy to share them after they've already happened, right? Right, of course, <laughs> like, yeah. It's easy now, yeah. right, talking about those times. But when I share those, I, I, I attract so many people that have empathy for me, that are rooting for me, that are able to associate themselves with something that I've gone through. And I mean, you know, it, it's scary when we when we uh, are seen as doing well in an area. Mm-hmm. To admit some sort of weakness is one of the scariest things that we have to, you know, that we do. Right. But it's so necessary. And it's the only way we're going to grow. Yeah. Right. Like uh, until we admit that we have a hole, we're never going to be able to fill it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's yeah. Just, it's just so gnarly. And I think that's, you know, the turning point in that whole situation is about a year after that, I oddly enough, had to fill an upper division GE class at Cal State Fullerton. And everyone told me stress management was an easy class to take. And I took that class and that was a life changing thing for me as well. Wow. It's like there's um, the professor I taught it was uh, Dr. Ken Revisa. And oddly enough, he's a guy that works with the baseball team at Cal State Fullerton, but has read or wrote a book, excuse me, called Heads Up Baseball. And I read it as a 13 year old kid. You know, my coach had had me read that book. And you know, it's funny in the sense that I thought of him as like a sports psychologist, but he created this whole course of stress management at Cal State Fortune in the 70s, maybe early 80s. I'm not sure on the exact date, but like he pioneered this course. And I took that class thinking it was going to be an easy class, like an easy age, just upper division GE <laughs> class. And it ended up being that turning point for me where it taught me how to admit my failures, how to talk about my situations, how to understand myself and a lot of this stuff was based off of like meditation and just literally sitting there in silence and practicing what's called mindfulness you know and it's not one of those things that I ever saw myself doing because if someone would have told me to do that I would have just kind of laughed it off in the beginning but it's one of those things that makes you deal with yourself like and that's the most important thing is that like you're saying is that you first need to accept the fact that you failed and, and failed or did something wrong and the fact that you can do that first is the step that you need to take and then sharing it is that next step and it's just one of those things the turning point with that class the first assignment for that class was called a lemon assignment and you literally took a lemon and you're told to sit there and stare at it for 10 minutes and write about your experience no way yeah that that was the assignment and is is the first assignment of the semester. You're like, so what the hell are you asking me to do right, right now? And the guy, the Dr. Ken Revisa, unfortunately, had passed away recently from hmm. a heart attack. But it, he was just this guy. Like it, he just, I, it's hard to describe him. But he was just a one of a kind person, and you he tells you to do the assignment, and you're just like, dude, you're you're a nut job right now. Yeah. He's kind of like a hippie type of guy. And it was just one of those things that I had laughed about it. And in college at that age, you're just like, all right, like I'm going to BS something and just write a page about it. But I told myself, I'm like, you know what? Do the assignment. And I, I remember, I can tell you in my head right now that I remember seeing, I can recall myself doing that assignment, just sitting in my room. And the instructions were, look at the lemon and try to focus on, like basically keep your concentration. When your mind drifts to thinking about something else, pull it back to the lemon. And... I literally did the assignment for 10 minutes and thought to myself like, man, you weren't very good at that. But that's the purpose of the assignment is to show you like how easy it is for your mind to drift and start creating these thoughts in your head when you could just pull yourself back to the lemon and 
in other words, how he would express in the class is like, get yourself to the next breath is like how you can really center yourself and start to realize that these thoughts that you're creating in your head and these judgments that you're creating in your head are all self-created and fictional, you yeah. know, like yep. there, there's something that you're creating this narrative in your head and it's something that you're convincing yourself of. Like yep. you're the best salesperson at that point because you're persuading to yourself that all these thoughts are true yep. and they just become so overwhelming and so consistent that you end up buying into all this stuff. And it's really one of those things that like you have the control to fix yourself. And I think that going back to the point of why this was such a big moment and getting me out of that year of a funk that I was in was that class is like, it taught me that I'm my worst enemy right now. I'm the one that's creating the problems because I was thinking as all these other people is this person over here who's doing this to me or that yeah. person over here who's making me do my this girlfriend's distracting me. My job's too overwhelming. Exactly. I got to do, I got to go to school. I got to go to work 100%. Yep. And that's exactly why is like, I'm not doing my good work. I'm not good doing good enough in my workouts because my girlfriend wants me to hang out with her. Like that, yeah. that's, that's just an example of like, well, now I, the girlfriend's distracting me. I need to get rid of her, yeah. you know? And yeah. it, it, it's, it was one of those things that like that class taught me, um, you know, to really focus on the idea of like, it's myself that I need to fix yep. and it's not the other people. I don't need to keep on playing the victim card. What I need to do is stare myself in the eyes and understand that on the inside is what I need to fix. Yep. <clears throat> that like rewind that if you're listening and, and listen to that last part. I mean, I think that again, like just attributing this directly to the gym, but I can give a lot of examples of this. So like, uh, in the gym, um, I don't know, I, I'm probably consistently somewhere between the fifth and 10th best guy in the gym on mm -hmm. average in a workout. And yet there's probably 20 guys that are stronger than I am. There's some of the same and a different 20 guys that are better at gymnastics than I am. Mm -hmm. There's 20 guys that are, you know, some kind of technique better than I am. And yet like when, when when it comes down to like grinding out a workout, I have this very unique ability to be able to flip a switch. I can be miserable right before you say three, two, one, go. And yet there's something about like, and it doesn't make me like the best in the world, no, but like, right, right. but like people will say, how did, you know, how did you finish so fast? Or how did you do so well in this type of workout? It's because like when you like, I, I, I can't control, I mean, I can by like, practicing and doing things, but I can't control how much weight I lift necessarily or whether or not like I'm at the level of somebody else right. gymnastically until I work on that stuff. But what I can control is my perception of how bad something is going to hurt. Yep. And again, it's, it's that practice of mindfulness. And so often in the middle of a workout and the longer it goes, the better it is when I'm just absolutely suffering through something. I just continue to tell myself it doesn't hurt as bad as you think it does. Mm -hmm. And when I'm focusing on that, even just that alone, like you're lying to yourself, it's not that bad. And I hear David Goggins talk about this all the time. Yep. You know, like we've talked about his books. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I wish people would learn to practice that. Um, I need to learn to practice that in other areas of life, right? Yeah, like, because likewise. I think that like, we feel like the world is crumbling around us. And mm -hmm. in reality, if we're just to change our perception and really focus on what's in front of us, man, we could do so much more. Yeah. I, I think, you know, re really that that's a, a, you know, you're speaking of in the sense of working out and you alluded to the fact that there's, 
the, all these other areas that you can apply that to is really it's just coming down to like the the idea of mindfulness back to that whole you know class is like it's just being present where you are you yep. know and like when you're suffering in a workout your mind is gravitating to the thought of like what the next rep is already going to feel like, you know, like I need to put this bar down in this instance because the next rep is going to feel worse than this one. <laughs> you're not even there yet, you yeah. know, like, and that's where your focus has already drifted away from where you're at. And, and it's just like coming back to what you're saying is, is just like the, the concept of being able to suffer in a sense is really just being able to focus your attention. Um, I guess should, I shouldn't say suffer the ability to suffer, but the ability to withstand the suffering yeah. is the ability to just be present where you're at and focusing on what you're able to do at that moment in time. Yep. Not what you want to do, but what you need to do, yeah. you know, and I think that's the biggest verbiage change that you can make is changing need and want and vice versa. Yep. And when you swap those words out, it changes a lot of different things on how your perception of something really is, you yeah. know? what you what you want isn't what you need you know and and when you always are talking about what you want you're going to be constantly i think you know uh dissatisfied with the result that you're going to get versus when you think about what you need at that moment in time is when you realize that that's what's going to make you feel satisfied with what you're doing and have this sense of fulfillment because it's not that you're underachieving it's that you're doing what you're capable of doing at yeah. that time you yep. know, and I think to relate in the workout sense is like trying to do more reps than you're really capable of doing is going to put you in a hurt locker a lot yeah. sooner than doing something that's within your talent level or where your skill level is at. Yeah. Like that's, that's what allows you to deal with the suffering as well. Yep. You know? Yep. No, absolutely. Okay. I, I, I kind of want to shift gears here for a second because uh -huh. something has been like biting at me as I've been thinking about like my description of kind of like my perception of you early on right so this young cocky guy you become this stoic to some degree <laughs> i'm sure at times you're coaching and, and there's a lot of reasons why i know you do this but it's like dude why is he like so strict or why is he being such an a-hole about something or whatever mm -hmm. right and it's there's a right way and a wrong way to do things and I, right. I know there's a lot to that and you take a lot of pride in that but as i think about that i think about again perception so many people would look at you now and be like, dude, this guy is just like as stoic as it gets. Your wife would not agree with that. <laughs> and by the way, the girlfriend became the wife and we, yes. we're going to get to that in a second here. Right. We'll fill um, that story in. <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but I know you're not. I, I, I've been with you and, and laughed a lot and, you know, had some fun and that's, that's been awesome. But um, up until your wedding day, uh, I had no idea how emotional you were and there was a lot of joke right i know from your from your party um uh your your groomsmen about you were gonna cry yeah uh your wife fiance at the time julia you know she she made sure to let everybody you know let me right. know that you were gonna get emotional i, I, I let everybody know you, know, there <laughs> you weren't no afraid shame. of it there was no shame in there it. wasn't and so um so, so there was a lot of things that I learned that day. So uh, I alluded to this. So I had the opportunity to officiate your wedding. Um, that, that was one of um, my favorite moments in my entire life. Oh, um, I'm very proud of you. For a lot that. of reasons. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we can, we can talk about that uh, later. But um, so, you know, uh, you were quite emotional as you know, fiance to be wife walked down the aisle and, uh, and, and it was just, it, it was, it was so amazing to watch all this unfold. And so I thought like, okay, now I get it. 
and then something happened. And for anybody that was there, I, w I wish like, no, I don't wish, but like you had this moment of dancing with your sister mm -hmm. and making me emotional thinking about I, it right I'm going to cry right? as I talk about yeah. it. And there was not a dry eye in that place. And as much as I, I, I have continued to like peel back layers of me getting to know you and seeing more of that. And I saw that you cried during your wedding, whatever. So did I, mm -hmm. there was just something so special and so different about that moment. And so it tells me a lot about you as a human being. And so what, like, what is it about that, that, because I saw you, I saw the way that, um, you cared for her and mm -hmm. looked at her and danced with her. And I know that, and again, you can share as much of this as you want or not, but I know that, you know, part of that is obviously the fact that, you know, your dad did not get to see you, mm -hmm. you know, get married and, um, and, and you were in some ways responsible for, you know, your sister continuing to, to grow up and, mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, to get to where she is. But so yep. can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, the decision to do that was very easy in my mind is that that moment was for her. It, it wasn't for me. It was for my mom as well um, as for them too. Um, my sister has Down syndrome and has had a lot of health complications growing up. Um, and she's my older sister. And, you know, she means the world to me. And I don't always express that in the best way because she's my sibling. You know, we've grown up. We fight. We, <laughs> she's stubborn as shit and annoys the crap out of me. And I try to poke at her and, you know, draw a rise out of her on every occasion that I can. But, like, when it comes down to it, like, I joke with a lot of people, like, that's how I show love. It's like when you're getting this annoying side of me, like, that's when you know I love you because, like, I'm I'm in a sense, like trying to take you to your like edge in, in this moment. And like, for whatever reason, like it, like, I don't know, it's the way I express it in that sense. But when it came down to my wedding is that, you know, my sister, um, she's not going to get married, you know, and it's not that she can't, it's just like, that's, that's what the nature of the beast is. And, and you know, what is it? 2019. So two and a half years ago, my father passed away and, um, we can dive into that. That was one of the biggest maturation moments in my life and mm. and as we fast forwarding back to like coming back to this wedding as we you know were approaching the wedding i told julia like matter of fact like i'm doing a dance with my sister and and that's gonna be what's gonna happen and it, it was one of those things that i did that like i said for her and my mom and the reason why i did that is because you know she's not gonna have that chance to have a first dance with my dad and mm my mom's not going to have the chance to see my sister get married. And, you know, as much as that wedding was for Julie and I, it, I wanted a specific moment to be for my sister because, you know, I think for myself, like I know how much she means to me, but I think that sometimes that gets, um, it can be misconstrued in a way. Um, because I'm not a very like physically expressive person. I don't do a lot of physical touch. Like, it's just not the environment that I grew up in. But like if there's a moment in time that I knew there was going to be a place that I could acknowledge that I knew it was going to be there. Hmm. And you know, it, I, I, there's so many different emotions about it. Like I'm sitting here kind of like holding back some tears within. It's just one of those things that like, man, that was like 
that was such a great moment in my life and nothing will ever overshadow what my wife means to me and what that day was for us. But like, I, I, I would not take that back for a million lifetimes to be able to have that point in time with my sister, because that's like the epitome of our relationship. Yeah. You know, like that just brought everything to like this culmination point. And you know, the goal wasn't to make everybody cry, but like, <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Like I was so in the moment with her that like, you know, I know she loves my dad and I say loves because she still does. And it's one of those things that like, you know, for her to like wrap her head around what really happened, she probably never will. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't need to. She, the, the idea is that, you know, I'm sure she was already thinking about the fact that he wasn't there that day. And the goal was to fill this void for her. So that way she knew that there's this moment for her, you know, and she, she absolutely ate it up and thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And, and it was, that's what, what needed to happen, Yeah, you know? So I don't know if I really answered your question there. Like there's just so many things that come to my mind yeah. to answer that. Like so many emotions that it's really hard to like sum it up. But like that was that was like a, such a happy moment in my life. And I was so like the song that was playing, I, I chose. And um, to kind of elaborate on that, the song I, I played and chose that would be played while we danced was You Should Be Here by Cole Swindell. And, you know, it's about his dad not being there for one of the bigger moments and some of the bigger moments in his life after having passed away. And like, you know, there's a lot of things that my, as a result of my dad passing that like strained in a way, you know, before that, um, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and it was just one of those things that like I tended to always have this resentment towards him, but there's so many different ways that really like, I wish he was there, you know, it was like, I missed him on that day and one of those moments that you know i could choose to be sad about it but it's like i know that he would want me to be happy and he'd be beyond proud of me and it was another way for me to acknowledge him in my wedding as well and have our family be together one more time in a way that you know is not physical but in a way that's very emotional and you know i didn't feel the obligation to do that in any sense but it's definitely something that I wanted to do because that's what needed to happen at that time. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I didn't know you were going to answer it like that. Oh, I'm very, and I'll be honest. I'm very open with it. And no, no, no. I, I love sharing that stuff. I, I guess by that, I meant like, I, I didn't, I didn't know necessarily that, that, that was the specific reason. Mm-hmm. And, um, like that, you know, the need to really demonstrate that closeness with your sister and, um, I think what's so interesting to me, again, like I, I know bits and pieces of, you know, the backstory there with your dad and growing up and, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's so amazing to me because all of the shit, all of the hard times, like if you would have had a great relationship with your dad and he would have been there at your wedding, you probably wouldn't have had that moment with your sister no. like that. Yeah. Right. And it's not that we ever choose to like, like if you had to do it all over again, you, you would trade it in a second for your dad to be there. Yeah. And, and if you had to do it all over again, you would trade it that you wouldn't have had any kind of strain in your relationship with your dad to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And yet what I think is so amazing is that that moment was absolutely perfect. And you didn't just affect you and your sister but you affected every single person around you in that room. And if I was speaking on behalf of your wife, 
I would have loved and soaked up every single second of that because that's the man that she had the opportunity to marry that day. That's the man that is going to one day, hopefully, father her children, right? Like, mm-hmm. those are the things that we look for in people. I think that so often we're, 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 we're chasing these characteristics of, like, especially as it relates to a man, right? Like, we want to be tough and strong and to be able to hold down the fort and provide for our family. And we're the breadwinner and we're the badass mm-hmm. and we're all these things. And those can be wonderful things, right? I'm not saying that those in and of themselves are terrible, but these are the moments that matter more than anything because yep. like you look at somebody like you in that moment i know i ha- i mean i had a brutal relationship with my dad multiple times in, in growing up and it's like you look at that and you realize like if we go through something like that ourselves i know that he's going to be there for me mm-hmm. and i know that he's going to fight hard through it because he's just shown me that he's fought hard through it before mm-hmm. it's just so amazing to see things play out the way that they do so i think that that is just phenomenal yeah thank you i I mean i think it's one of those things that when you when you when i i should speak i decided i was going to do that like it had it had no bearing on anybody else yeah It, it had no bearing on anybody else but my mom my sister and you know ultimately my dad you know but the thing is that my parents raised me so well given the circumstances of being a, a dysfunctional family and, and growing up in a dysfunctional environment, like, man, I, I was raised to be that person. And my dad had a play in that as well. And, yep. you know, granted, the relationship between him and I was strained more so on the tail end of it than anything else. Like, beyond the alcoholism and, and the repercussions of that, like, he, he taught me to be a man. You yep. know, like, he, he wasn't always there in the way that he could have been. Um, he had... I'm sure every want to be able to do that, but anybody that's known someone who's an alcoholic, like they, as much as they control it, they don't control it, yep. you know? And that's the the gray area with that disease, if you want to call it that, is that, you know, put all that aside, like the fact that my parents were still able to create this environment for me to grow up and instill these values in me is something that is 100% a testament to them and 100% the reason why I am the person that I am. And it yeah. makes me so proud to be able to say that, you know, yeah. is that given the circumstances, it's not just me that rose from the occasion, you know, it's the fact that my mom was able to still influence me in such a way. My dad was still able to influence me in such a way is that, you know, there's many times growing up that I was like, man, like I want a regular sibling, you know, <laughs> and as, as shitty as it is to say that, yeah. like, but every kid thinks that, you know, yep. it's like, I always wanted a little brother and you know, when you're a kid, you don't understand this stuff, but yep. like, I, I would be remiss to say that if I didn't grow up the way that I did, I wouldn't be who I am. Yep. You know, and part of that is controllables that I've decided to develop myself personally and so on and so forth. But there's, there's this, you know, weight that's carried over from, uh, childhood and adolescence to young adulthood that's created by people other than yourself. You're, you're a product of your environment when it comes down to it. And it is in some ways my environment was shitty and most ways my environment was still really freaking good. Yeah. And you know, the credit goes to my parents and, and really putting me in an environment to instill these values and these character traits and made me realize what it was to be a person of character and be a person 
that um you know holds those values so high and and kind of like you alluded to like i tell people people ask me all the time how's married life going and i tell them you know joking like oh it's married life you know like it's the easy answer to give but like i always follow it up because i take my marriage very seriously like i'm so proud to be a husband and i cannot wait to be a father and it's like those things again make me emotional because it's like i have this chance to influence my kids uh in the same way that i was influenced you know and i cannot wait for the opportunity to be able to do that and you know speaking of my wife at julia it's just like you know am i perfect in our relationship of course i'm not you know but like i'm learning so much from her and being in our relationship and our marriage the way that it is now it's like dude i'm i'm so happy you know like that if there's a culmination of all that stuff is just pure like happiness and i know there's wedding bliss and pre and all this stuff of like being in the first year in your honeymoon phase again but like man i'm just i'm just happy you know like to be at this point in my life yeah i mean i think that you know you were talking about the fact that you know you, you you're so thankful for your upbringing regardless of you know what what you went through and i think that you know it's interesting so much of that is perspective right i mean i grew up single mom, two kids, like it was not easy. My mom worked two and three jobs from the time I was sick. I was mowing my own lawn at six years old. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom got breast cancer when I was 13 and I had to drive her around with no license because we didn't have anybody else to do that. She dated multiple people and married a couple of them that were assholes and beat me and my brother up at times. One was an alcoholic and uh, and my mom did everything that she could. And she's no perfect person. She's not listening to this so I can tell the truth about it. But like, but all the good and the bad shaped me to be who I am today. And on the other side of things, like my dad was an asshole for leaving my mom. Mm -hmm. And, and yet like he tried to do everything he could to the best that he could. And then there was a period of time we didn't speak for 10 years. And it's only been about eight years since we've, we've reconnected maybe nine years now. And we have the best relationship we've ever had, but every single one of those things shaped me to be who I am. I've learned what not to do. I've learned things to do. It's created the character in me that it has. And it's given me freedom too. like, this is something like you're going to be a parent one day, most likely. And, you know, as a parent, like there's so much pressure put on us to do everything we can to raise the best child possible. <laughs> yeah. And I tell parents, like I counsel parents and when I counsel parents, I tell them like, you can be the best parent in the world and raise Satan and you can be the yeah. worst parent in the world and raise a holy angel. Like you just, you want to do your best, but you only have so much control. Right. And so you just have, you just have to give it what you can and then have the right perspective, the right mindset, the right attitude and yeah. just, pray <laughs> yeah no i mean the the thing that you're throwing out there is a like a, a key word is mindset you know is like we talked often about the growth mindset and i think uh, another transgressional or transitional point for myself was you know learning about the growth mindset is like there were many times if you were to ask me 10 years ago i would have had some sort of resentment of my upbringing hmm. you know to be quite frank yeah but the fact that i can admit that is already the first step you know and the fact that i can now speak to the contrary is focusing on the controllables and what your parents were able to do is what they could control, you yep. know? And then everything that you do is what you can control. And the point that I'm making to this is, is that my perspective on my upbringing, there are many times that I'm like, man, like it was rough, dude. Like it, it wasn't perfect, but it's nobody, like this is a constant judgment. Like yep. you, you feel like everybody else's life is perfect 
and it wasn't you know everybody had to a certain extent the same type of trials and tribulations that i had you know maybe to a lesser maybe to a more degree like there's different weight to things but your parents like you said did everything within their control my parents did everything within their control that they could do and you know when it comes down to it either you can have this positive growth mindset about your upbringing or you can have this negative and fixed mindset of like you're never going to change you know i could just very much be like you know what i'm going to be like my dad that's just what's in the genetics but that's not what it is you know it's your choice to make this change and be different um not that you don't hold any of the values that they did but it's it's just like you're saying it's all about your shift in perspective on things and your ability to focus on the things that were really important the things that were positive versus the things that were negative and lo and behold that you figure out there's more positive to more situations than there are negative it's your choice to view it as such you know but part of that is the ability to properly express it properly you know uh acknowledge those negative emotions and then let them be you know i mean i very well could still resent my dad a lot and I could very well hold this grudge against him, but like, what good is that going to do, man? Yeah. The guy's not around anymore. Yeah. Like, why hold that weight to yourself and like bury, like bury yourself with it yep. when you could just focus on how he influenced you and take that for what it is and like have this such such a positive spin on it of what could be considered such a negative situation yep. and be a better person because of it. Yep. You know, yep. it, it's all a choice, like you said, when it comes down to it. You yep. know, I've kind of went on a side tangent of a side tangent, no. but it, it's it's true is that really there's these principles in life that have withstood the test of time and it's our deviation away from these principles that have created these uh, negative things in our life. And it's, but it's part of the nature of the beast, you know, yep. is that you need to recognize that and pull yourself back to where your perspective is at and what's in your control. Yeah, you know? no, totally. And when all else fails, stare at the lemon. Right, exactly. I mean, it, as weird as it Do you ever find sounds, yourself man, staring at a lemon now and you're like, oh. No, oddly enough, I don't have any lemons at my house and never really do. But, like, I, I do think about it and I tell people about that story so often. Like, yeah. it was just it was such a, a crazy, not so apparent defining moment in my life at the time. But now it's a great story when it comes down to it. It provides a lot of laughter for me. That's good. Yeah. Okay, so I have another interesting question. I'm going to put you on blast here for a second. Go ahead. Because um, you said nothing was off limits before. So um, uh, there's this thing in the gym called the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And it's the place that in CrossFit uh, is most often utilized to explain a workout, right? So mm-hmm. like it lays out ahead of time what we're going to be doing that day. But then, then it's also a place where scores are recorded. Mm-hmm. And um, and with scores, uh, there's an opportunity to get a couple of letters next to your name, RX, meaning you, you've done the workout as prescribed as it was written on the board or mm-hmm. originally intended. Um, and um, this is in some ways no different than uh, when people are putting their sales numbers and goals up on a board. And it causes people to do some pretty terrible things mm-hmm. um, like cheating and cutting corners. And so first I would just love to hear when I just say that, what's your first response to that? The, the cheating and cutting corners. That's a really good question. <laughs> to, to be honest, my first thought, I, I don't have a thought, you know, like I, all these things kind of run through my head is that uh, it's part of life. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. It's out. I, I honestly, it's outside my control. Yeah. 
uh, to a certain extent, you know, is like that's that's my first thought about that in particular. So why do you think that for some people they're willing to cut corners in order to 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 record a score or to to have some designation next to their score? Uh, you know, I think there, there's a couple different ways that you can take this. I think one generally is just ego. You know, everybody's got an ego side of them. Some people in particular, uh, their ego will stick out more. And really, you can take it back to realizing what's in your control and outside your control. You know, what's in your control is what you're able to do and what your abilities, abilities allow you to do and do what you need to do versus doing what you want to do. Yep. Meaning, the example is like if you see someone do a workout the way that you want to do it and you see the praise that they get because of that, someone wants that praise. Yes. And I think that, uh, you know, to, to go another route with that is that uh, as a coach, it's my, my job to give them that praise that allows them to understand that the RX is not the way that you get that praise. What, the way that you get that praise is through putting in a good effort and working hard towards making yourself better. Yep. I, that's what I respect more than result. Uh, at a point in time, would I have answered that question differently? Of course I would have. But that's the growth and maturation that, <laughs> that you learn is that at one point in time, did those letters mean a lot to me? Of course they did. Um, you know, because that was an indication of where I lied in a competitive setting because there's a standard. And that's the difference between training and competing is that competing, there's a standard that has to be met to measure results across the board where it's either you did or you didn't. When there's training, there's so many more variables that go into it. And training can be defined as working on something, practicing. Is that not every workout is for time per se. It is by what the words say on the whiteboard, but your application of the workout may be different. Um, so I think I've, I've definitely gone on a few side tangents to original question, but like, um, you know, when it comes down to it is that it's my job as a coach to inform and educate people on how they can get that same praise without just getting those letters next to the name. That's what I can control about it. Yeah. The part that's not controlled by me is how other people react yeah. to your workout. Meaning that if they give you praise for the workout that you did because you got those letters next to your name, that's entirely different. You know, I, I don't I don't control that for that matter. So there's so much that goes into the idea of cutting reps and cheating and, you know, trying to get this level of status, if you want to call it that, that drives people to get there. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is very individual based. And at some point in time, did I struggle with that idea? Of course I did because I found myself trying to compare myself with others all the time. Yeah. So that's when it really bothered me more than anything else. But as I learned to understand, like, dude, why am I stressing about something that I don't even control what they do? As a coach, do I have some influence over what they do? I do, but the key word there is influence. Yeah. You yep. know, is yep. that I, I'm not doing the workout for them. So that's where it was hard and adding more stress to when <laughs> I was going through that whole like depression phase is like, that's that stuff just ruined me, you know, and, and it's just like you realize that like the people that do that, they're going to do that. And really what I've learned and this is truthfully how I feel about it is like they're seeking some form of um, attention. They want to feel important. They they have something, in my opinion, that is bothering them, you know, whether it's something at home 
whether it's something that's happened in their life previously with their upbringing, what have you, like there's something that's causing them to want to do that. And do I know that? No, but it's my job. It's not my job. It's something that I take. Um, I have a lot of passion in getting to know people now and understanding them and what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve. And in that byproduct, you get to know them as a person as well. You know, you start to see the things that might shape them into wanting to do something like that. People, if you were to ask them straight up if they would like to cheat or not, they would say no. Right. It, it, it goes against their principles. It goes against their values. But when three, two, one goes and you're in this egotistical mindset of like results based, results oriented type of thought, what's going to get you what you want? That. Yep. If you don't have the ability to do what's asked of you. Dude. Okay. So you said something in there that I, that I, I've, I've never thought about. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've become a fairly empathetic and understanding person. Um, and so when I hear or see cheating, um, it frustrates me. Uh, it frustrates me more because it, um, um, it's actually um, lessening their ability to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's just a part of it that I just don't like the fact that people cheat. But something you said in there was so interesting is you said that there's something else that's lacking. There, there, there could be something else that's missing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're not getting praise at home or they're not getting affirmation in a job. And I talk to my kids about that all the time. And, and even when I'm coaching people in other areas of life, like, hey, before you come at somebody hard, like, just understand that there may be something else going on there. And dude, you just like blew my mind. Like, I, I don't <laughs> think that we think about that because... I mean, I'm a very competitive person. Like we're in a competitive environment. And so immediately it's like cheater. Like, right. why would you do that? And it's not even like you're an awful person because you cheat. It's just more right. of like, why would you cheat? So I love that you said that. And I hope people hear that because again, like I've talked about this in other areas of life, but um, but this is another one that just stands out. I think we always have opportunity. Like Stephen Covey says, seek first to understand and then be understood. Yeah. And God, that's just so good. Mm-hmm. And, and ironically enough, you know, I've read the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and like some of those are some of the books that help shape that thought. Because, you know, when it comes down to it, like my my job is to help people. My job is not to, um, you know, figure out. Uh, let me rephrase that: is that my job is to help people, and with that, you need to understand the person and really need to get to know them. And who am I to? You know, I, I notice that stuff. I, 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 it's not like I sit there and count people's reps, but it like sometimes it's blatantly obvious. Yeah, but yeah. you know, when it comes down to it, it's like my job is to help them, right? Yep. So if I'm forming this judgment in my head, how can I truly do my job then? Because if anything, it's going to teach you to stay away from that person, yeah. not talk to them, not engage with them, and then you're not doing your job. You know, you can't be as successful as you want to be if you truly can't reach every person and meet them at their level. Like that's one of our core values at at resolution CrossFit within our company is to meet them where they are, you know, and and really people come there for their best hour of the day, tying it back to what you're talking about, the cheating and all that stuff is that, you know what? You're not going to force people to do something unless they truly believe in you too. Yep. And in order for that to happen, you need to have their trust. You need to have them believe in you and they need to be comfortable with you maybe they're just not comfortable in their environment as well. You know, like there's so many different factors that go into it that really you'll never understand it. But who are you to need to understand it? You don't need to understand it. What you need to do is help them. Yeah. 
and yeah. and really in some instances some people are blatantly doing it and some people people are doing it because yeah they're uncomfortable in their environment a yeah. little bit you yeah. know and and really it just like you said is you need to understand them first and then after that you can start trying to help that situation i think you know there's a lot of approaches to say that maybe you should be direct about it and so on and so forth but really i think if you slowly start to change the culture of the person as far as just being a positive influence to them that maybe that will change and then yeah. outside of that it's really outside your control you yeah. know it's no, like really good you can only just influence them to the greatest degree that you're able to yeah no i mean that's re- that i mean that's that's super wise um <clears throat> so you have been part of my journey um for a couple years um definitely um uh from a fitness perspective but also from a head perspective uh, so, uh, this year, uh, at the beginning of 2019, I threw away all my goals. I have zero, not a single goal for 2019, whether that's fitness and before, like even, so like I was, you know, I, uh, I had you working one-on-one with me and, you know, I, I had some goals there around specific, you know, metrics as it related to lifts or movements, um, and then hoping to qualify for masters potentially for the games and, that's out the window for a lot of reasons, probably. <laughs> right. But um, <clears throat> but then I threw all my goals away in 2019. And one thing that I loved was was once I began to just lean into the process of being the best that I could be, mm-hmm. like life was so much better. And when I tell people that, they're like, oh yeah, you know, you've got to figure it out. Like, okay, fine. And yet I remember there was this really unique moment for me. Uh, this year in the CrossFit Open, uh, so I think it was February, March, um, and you talked me off of like a massive ledge. <laughs> and I don't think you remember this, but uh, okay. we did uh, that heavy Diane workout basically. And so handstand push ups yep. and deadlifts. And um, I went out way too hot early in the workout because we had been working on handstand push ups and right. I was feeling really good about it. The standard was pretty challenging. Maybe that was two years ago now. Yeah, it's two years. I know yeah. exactly the moment you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and yep. I melted down and I failed. And I didn't even finish the first part of the workout because I went out so hard. I was so mad. I threw a fit in the gym. Like, I'm yep. embarrassed to say that I threw a fit. <laughs> And I remember coming back to you the next week when we had our one-on-one again, and you're like, so how's it going? And I was telling you, you know, like how pissed off I was. Um, And you helped me, like, even, like, again, just remind me how necessary it was to just focus on what I could control. Mm -hmm. And again, like back to mindfulness and mindset and, and, and being in the right moment. And so as you have been on your own journey in this, like, do you find, like, do you have goals that you set for yourself? Do you find that, no, you're really just trying to live in the moment of where you're at? Like, how do you continue to drive yourself to measure like how you're doing? Do you care? I mean, I'm sure you care. Yeah, I I do care. I care a lot. (laughs) I'll put that uh, as a disclaimer right now, but you know, it's something that I, it's a question I ask a lot in my head. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned earlier how quiet and reserved I am. Like I have this constant dialogue in my head and sometimes this dialogue can frustrate Julia because I have like this idea of like analyzing things in my head that I'm not good at expressing it verbally. Hmm. Um, is that, you know what? I do have goals. And I think the honest answer to that is I don't know what those goals are right now. Uh, as far as specificity is concerned. 
And the reason why I say that is because I am constantly trying to think of exactly what it is that I want my goals to be. And sometimes you end up forcing a goal and you end up trying to attain that goal and then you get tired, you get burnt out, um, you know, you, you don't attain the goal from the numerical perspective, what have you. And it causes a lot more stress. Um, I know that life is not completely stress-free, free, <laughs> but I found that where I'm at right now with my headspace is very balanced for the most part. <laughs> and uh, it's not always balanced, but to answer your question is like, I'm trying to find out what those goals are. Um, but what sticks out to me is like people often go straight to um, business related goals, uh, profession related goals. Like I think my goals right now, as I think about it, and if I can express it in a way that I think it's making sense in my head is to be the best husband I can be and um, be there for my wife and Next is to prepare for the next phase of my life being a father and getting myself prepared for that. Is I look at those as very overarching goals. Is like I think that's kind of where my headspace is at, and I think there's stuff underneath that that influences those. Yep. Um, what those are in particular, I don't know. Yep. You know, and I think that sounds very confusing to a lot of people, but yeah. I think if I focus on being where I'm at right now being the best person I can be and, and live a very value and principle based lifestyle. I think in due time I will be where I, where I want to be with those goals. And I think sometimes don't get me wrong, the smart things, specific, measurable, attainable, you know, whatever those acronyms stand for, I forget what it is at the, at the time, but do those help? Yeah, I think they do. But I think at the same time, you know, when it comes down to it, that, there's no specific timeline for those goals for me right now because that's setting this like pressure for it. Yep. And it's not, I, I do well under pressure. You, I, I procrastinate a lot of things and I do well at those <laughs> moments in time because I, I dial in and I, I, I get it done. Yep. Um, you know, but when it comes down to it, like if I know that I want to be the best husband that I can be and that I want to be a, a great father and that stuff takes time. It, it, I'm, I'm not going to be there. 100% at the certain moment in time. And, you know, along with that, you know, my goals are to be the best coach that I can be. And to me, being a coach is not just coaching in the gym is that, you know, like I just want to be, you know, I'm just kind of like vomiting out of the top of my head right now is <laughs> that like, really, I just want to be a good person, man. Like yeah. I, I want to be successful and success is a different definition for me than it is for you. And then it is for someone else is yep. like, um, what it comes down to is like I have this drive and I have this passion to just be the best version of myself and be successful in whatever way that is. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's a lot of things that I'm really good at. There's a lot of things that I'm not so great at. And I'm figuring out what those things are. Yep. I, I'm on this journey called life and I'm literally just figuring it out as I go. I have a plan. I'm very analytical. Like I know what what I want to be. I just don't know specifically what that is right now. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's uh, <laughs> something that a lot of pe people fall victim to is like they know that they want and need goals, but they don't know what those goals are. So they try to make goals up. Yeah. And then it only puts them in this downward spiral at times. Yep. Some people are really good with having specific goals and specific timelines for those goals. And I'm just not one of those people sometimes, yeah. you know, and I've learned that about myself. So like, you know, when people ask me like, oh, 
you're about to do this workout. What's your goal? Like, I don't know. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And they're like, what, do you, what kind of answer is that? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just I'm yeah. going to do it. I, I don't tend to look at the clock very much. Um, yeah. When it matters, I, I do. But like, I have a general idea. But yeah, that's just like an example is like every workout I do, like my goal is to not set an expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do. But nine and a half times out of 10, I don't. Yeah. You know, no, I, 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 I love that, that line of thinking, um, because I resonate so much with it, but I mean, for 15 years, I set goals for myself mm -hmm. and, and for very good reason. And I think it's important sometimes for people to get a bearing on things by setting goals to kind of figure out like, you know, as they're starting in a profession or in an area of life, what I found has been the most freeing is, is not having goals has truly allowed me to just throw everything every day at it with no expectation. Mm -hmm. And, and, and in some sense to feel better about it because like, it, you know, it's that cheesy saying, right? Like I'm living my best life, but I feel more than ever like that right now. Right. And it's because I just don't like, I care, but I don't care. You know, I, I go home to my wife, and I throw everything at her. Like my wife is, is the, is my world and I'll do anything for her, everything for her. And some days I screw that up and I just got to go back at it again. Like right. I don't, there's no like measurable goal as a parent, but even like in business for me, it's the same way. Like, yeah, I, I know what I would love to see my business look like. There's definitely some amazing opportunities that I would like to, to be able to, uh, to, to step into, but to, to say like, I want to make this much money or I want to generate this much revenue or whatever, like it, 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 if it, it's, it began to feel constricting for me right. and, and in the gym is the same way, you know, like mm -hmm. for me now, I just focus on the task at hand and sometimes that's great. Other times it's not like, that's again, that's been like a big part of the appreciation of working with you one-on-one -on -one for the time that I have is because as we're working on things, I'm watching progress happen that sometimes is not measurable. Yeah. Like it is, but it isn't, right? Like you right. take a highly technical movement and yes, I guess it's measurable in the sense that like I did six today and I could only do four a month ago, mm -hmm. but it's not so much that. It's about how you feel, the confidence that I feel to be able to dangle 200 pounds from rings or something like that. Yeah. Like those things to me are, go far longer than a time. Mm -hmm. or a, a number of rounds in a workout. And so I've tried to really push even my own clients. Like people are paying me to help them with their goals. Right. And I'm like, have you ever thought about like, <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you seem like a nut job, They're right? Like, You're fired. <laughs> right. And same thing for myself. Yeah. You know, people have goals that they want to accomplish. And, and it, it's like, I'm not an anti-goal person. Yeah. Like let's, let's yeah, be straightforward. That's not the case. Like we just know what works best for us. Yep. And we feel like we're suffocating when we put a timeline to it. Why? Because of our nature, we're competitive. Yep. We want to meet that if not beat it. And if we don't, we feel like a failure. Yep. And it's our, it's our job and it's in our control to understand that we're not a failure because we don't meet a goal. Yes. But it, just like I was saying, like if you focus on values and principles and like all these personal develop development books will say like, you know, everything will take care of itself yep. in a sense, yep. you know, yep. like we're not naive enough to think like, oh, I'm just going to be a good person. Let me quit my job. Money's just going to fall into my lap. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not how it works. <laughs> Work does need to be done. Yes. You need to put yourself in a position to constantly want to get better. Yep. And like, that's what I was kind of saying. Like my goal is just to be a better person 
to be successful, my definition of success is going to be different than a lot of other people's. Yeah. But like, if you're constantly working towards that, it's, it's like this trickle effect, you know, is like, or however you want to view it, it's either downstream or upstream. It goes both ways is one affects the other, the other affects what's above it too. Yep. You know, it's like, it, it, and that's, a, I think, a difference in mindset and that mindset is becoming more popular now yeah. is that like everything does affect the other thing, you know, if that's the right way to put it, but yeah. it, it, it's that it's not just a one way street, yep. you know, it's a constant flow of like everything is, is part of your life is affected by one thing or the other. Yeah. And that's where balance comes into play. And like, just like I was saying, I don't have to figure it out, but man, like, that's what I'm trying to achieve is balance. Really? Yeah. Like that, if there's a goal, like it's balance. Well, well, and, and what's so interesting, like, you know, as we've had this conversation, you know, this whole time, like that's what you have done, right? I mean, like you think back to early on and the way that you were, you were being raised before you started experiencing some mm -hmm. of the challenge with your dad, just yeah. say right on that side of things. Like you, you, you had these values instilled into you, right? Mm -hmm. So there was like this, this center point or this foundation foundation. Yep. And then as you experience some struggle growing up, right? Like relationship with your dad, maybe mm -hmm. some struggle on the baseball field, you you go back and you reflect on those values. It's like, okay, are they still true? Yes, they are. Okay, let's keep forging ahead to focus on the values. You get skewed by numbers and outcomes and all kinds of other things. You move along in life, right? Like right. all the way forward to like, okay, like baseball is no longer a career. Now CrossFit is going to be the thing I'm going to do and coaching on top of that. Okay, values, da, 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 go on. To concussion, to engagement, to getting married, to this moment with your sister, right? Like all of these things, thinking forward into the future, like parent, mm -hmm. like good person, like when we say that, I don't, I don't, I don't like that word only because like people throw that around and it doesn't mean anything a lot of times, but I understand what you're saying in the sense that like, because you know what your values are and you believe your values to be good, mm -hmm. then that's where your focus lies. Right. And you think of how everything has shaped you to this point. It's what allows you to kind of be your own gauge and your own goal, right? It's mm -hmm. like, not, not that you're the goal, but like, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It's like, did I put forth enough effort? Nope, I didn't give it my best. All right, got to push harder. Yeah. Did I, like, my wife is pissed off at me. Okay, did, did I hold strongly to my values of loving her, serving her, caring for you, all the while being the same per the person that I need to be? Nope, okay, I need to make some changes, right? right? Like, but we've got to be clear there. And I yeah. think that's where more people miss right. is, like, who am I? Yeah, exactly. I, I think, like, that's, that's, that's a good point that I didn't touch on that you're saying. There's always this test and retest, yep. you know? It's like you face this critical situation and was the result fa favorable? Yes. Okay. Then now how, how did my effort go into that? Yep. What are the things that put me in that situation? Because it's not about, Oh, I did good. Let me reward that. Look at your, like, this is where my analytical mind comes into play is like, okay, did I do the things that put me in the position to succeed? Yes. Now I'm really satisfied about that. If there's something that maybe I left off the table that could have been there, I, maybe I'm not completely satisfied with the result. I need to look at about the process that got me there and change that one thing because it's only going to make it better. And then vice versa, if the result wasn't favorable, you look back at the process and you see what you could have done differently yep. and how you could have basically approached that situation 
And instead of beating yourself up, you just say, okay, that that's what I'm going to do next time. Yep. I did this. I'm going to do that next time. And guess what? That may not make that situation or that result different or sorry, it would make it different. It would not make it what you needed it to be. Right. And then you reevaluate again and you constantly go. I think that's the best way to summarize when you ask me about what my goals are is like, yeah. there's this constant reevaluation of who I am as a person. Yep. And when you reevaluate constantly, you're constantly checking in with your values and your principles and making sure that you're staying in line with those. And you know, when it comes down to the seven habits of highly effective people, they have the personal mission statement and stuff like that that you do. That's something that I am still missing out on my personal development mm. that I know I want to go back and do because that's only going to help me develop my goals and get me to where I want to be. Yep. You know, like that's something that always sticks out to me because I've read that book twice now and have <laughs> failed to do that each time. But yeah. it like, I think that's the best way to summarize it is like, we're not anti-goal people. There's a time and a place for them, yep. but yep. you don't need goals for everything right. because for me personally, and I think for you the same way, you start to feel very constricted. Yep. You start to feel suffocated by them that you become focused on purely results and you don't focus on the process that gets you there. Yep. You know? Yeah. So I, I think it's not like I'm a aimless person walking around <laughs> with no goals. Like there's goals. It's just that I, in my opinion, things affect, there's everything affects something else. Totally. And you just need to keep on focusing on the balance like we were talking about and and going that route and test and retest. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, my, my, my spiel to people is identity, understand who you are, mm -hmm. values, understand what's most important to you, and then go chase whatever it is you want to chase, right? Yeah. Whether that includes goals or not, it's all about that process once you have developed those things for yourself. Because if not, you are aimless and it's really, really hard to yeah. ever come back to any kind of center. And so you end up chasing a whole lot of crap that ain't quite so good. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, it's something that I always look back at and have to remind myself with my relationship is, have I figured myself out to the greatest ability yet? If I haven't, you know, how can I have such a high expectation to really be such a like a, a perfect significant other you know what yeah. i mean is like those affect each other is that at 28 almost 29 like i know a good amount about myself but i don't know myself and i haven't personally developed myself that well yet that i can completely like just put all my effort into developing my relationship you know and like i i don't know that may came off, come off in a wrong way no, but no. like i guess the point that i'm making is like without knowing and and figuring yourself out you can never care about someone else no way and is there a constant pursuit to figure yourself out yes but yep. the more you figure yourself out the more you can help people Absolutely. and i think that not only is something that's present and i believe in in my marriage but also in my role of my career you know like how can and, and that's what, what the turning point was like how can i really positively affect people's lives and help them make a change in their life if i don't know myself that well you know, like it's impossible at that point. Yep. And, and same thing for the job that you have, like you can't help people unless you know yourself yep. and you know what makes you tick and not tick and how you can be successful or not successful. Like how can you offer up any sort of advice to anybody and much longer have them believe you? Yeah. You're not credible at that no, point. No, no, not at all. And I think it, it takes a special person to be in a field to be an influencer, yep. you know, like that's the, the, key word these days is yeah. being an influencer you know is like so many people want to be an influencer but how can you influence someone if you're struggling to influence yourself yes yeah you know absolutely and there's a day and age where social media can put on a much different 
persona of who you are, but really like you're not going to be that successful in life if you you just don't know yourself, yep. man. No, I, I, I can't agree anymore. Yeah. Okay. We're wrapping up here. <laughs> kind of a long time. It's been yeah. pretty good. Um, last thing. This is funny. So people call you the people's coach. Yeah. Well, how'd you get that name? Uh, to be honest, uh, Sam Belonquita gave it to me. But it, it, to be honest, I love the people's coach. I love the name. And the reason why I love it is because I know I've matured a lot. Yeah. And I know I've developed myself a lot as a person. Uh, I say this with confidence and not cockiness is that like I have found a better way to relate with people. The coach that I was five years ago to the coach that I am now, the coach five years ago didn't deserve that title. The coach now somewhat deserves that title. <laughs> I, I like being called the people's coach. It is something that I am proud of hearing yeah. because people respect me in that way. Yeah. You know, and I, I like the fact uh, and I'm very appreciative of it. I should phrase it that way. I'm very appreciative of the fact that people look up to me like that. Yeah. But sometimes I remind myself that I'm not completely deserving of that title. And I say that with as much happiness as I would taking that title because I can still be better. You Absolutely. know, it's like I'm, I'm not even yet cracking the surface of who I am and how I can influence people and how I can really positively affect people's lives is like, um, I love the title, but I'm, I'm ready to fill those shoes a little bit better from this day forward now. That's just that constant pursuit of becoming the very best version of yourself that you can, right? In yep. every domain. Yeah. And I, I, I want to give a shout out to that 9 a.m. class just to, to no, clarify. No, don't do that. But None of them are even going to listen to this. Yeah, probably not. But you know what? Especially we're like an hour and 40 minutes an hour. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we lost them a long time ago. But That is the most tra- – I was sitting there today. This is just going to be narrative at the end of this. You can check out if you want. I was <laughs> – I was sit. I worked out at eight o'clock this morning. Right. And I'm sitting around watching Matt, of all people, the owner of our gym, who is a wonderful human being, but can sometimes get distracted as a coach. And I'm watching this guy try and wrangle up 25, 35 to 45 year old women that would yeah. rather hang out and get a little <laughs> bit of exercise in than really focus. I was like, what is going on here? Hey, they'll admit. And they'll agree with me. It's like herding cats, man. You, I tell you what, they, they teach you a lot about patience, PTA meetings, and how to deal with your future wife. So. <laughs> you are going to be an amazing parent as the result of coaching 9 a.m. Exactly. They teach me a lot about life and have taught us all a lot about life. Right? I, had, I had to give, without due credit, I had to give Sam the credit in the 9 a.m. class credit oh, for my name. Oh, gosh. So they'll That's love okay. It. My wife doesn't even listen to these, so I don't think anybody is. But uh, now I'm just going to save this one clip for them right there. Yes, right. All right. So we're wrapping. I mean, this was way better than I thought it was going to be because as I thought, you know, ahead to like some of the things that we were going to talk about, and we definitely touched on so many areas of drive and determination and grit and mindset, but it was told through this amazing thread of your life story and challenge and obstacle and overcoming and continuing to learn and mature and grow and 
of anything that I ever want anybody to take from this podcast, but also from the interactions that I have with people is just that, is your life tells a whole story and you have Mm -hmm. such an opportunity to do amazing things regardless of what it looked like, as long as you have the right mindset, the right perspective, and then you build a process to pursue whatever it is you want to pursue in life. So dude, thank you so much. I just can't tell you how much I appreciate today. You as a human being, I've told you this before, I have so much respect for you. Uh, the way that you do things, the way that you live your life, your fight to continue to try and get better at who you are and what you do. So thank you. I appreciate you a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I cannot wait to come back on and talk about more. And we didn't talk about CrossFit the whole time. I'm sure a lot of people would be surprised about that. So <laughs> I just wanted to put that in there at least. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for another episode of Excellence Mindset in the books. Uh, as always, you have any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, you can reach out to me. Been more, be more than happy to chat with you. With that, get out there. Do the best you can. Crush it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.